Well, Hello and welcome all. to uh, our podcast. Uh, we probably have to reintroduce ourselves at this point since it's been a little while. Um, I went and moved and bought and sold houses. Uh, Michael and Tara went off gallivanting to Europe. Uh, it's been a busy summer. I'm also in the middle of a bank merger. So all kinds of crazy things going on. Um, but that's the reason for our uh, sabbatical, maybe, is a, is a nice way to say uh, absence that we've been gone. Um, but we are uh, we're back and, and better than ever and hopefully with uh, with new good ideas and thoughts for you to share uh, in this week. Um, joining me always from beautiful Somerset, Kentucky is Michael Ray. Michael, how's everything in Somerset this morning? Good morning, my friend. All is well. Uh, hope all is well with you. Absolutely. So, Michael, who do we have um, on the docket today? Tell our uh, esteemed guests uh, what we're going to try to tackle today. So we've got we've got a tight window and we've got an excellent uh, an excellent subject. Uh, so in Acts 16, we learn about uh, the conversion of a woman named Lydia, and there's there's uh, we're we're not given a ton of insight into her background and into her uh, into her life, but I think there's there are certainly some points there that that make sense in terms of the things that that we've been studying um, through the this series of Bible studies and. And just by way of reminder and kind of where we are and, and while what we're trying to accomplish here is, you know, Mike and I spend a lot of our lives in the business world. Um, and that, you know, so that the intersection of our uh, spiritual lives and our business lives is something we think a lot about. We, we, we've talked a lot about together and we've, we've, we've found that this, this study has been very encouraging uh, to both of us is what what business lessons do we learn from these Bible characters? And we kind of, we, we always start with the caveat that the spiritual lessons that we learn here, you know, what did Lydia's conversion entail is, <laughs> is by far the most important lesson here. And, and this, this study that we're doing this morning is not at all to diminish the fact that, you know, uh, what led to and affected her conversion is always going to be the most important study about Lydia. But we're also given these other details that are, are really interesting and, and really cool and kind of help frame her character and in, in our judgment, help us think kind of critically about our own careers and business lives um, and, and, and how they are affected by and affect our relationship with God. And so uh, that, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to attempt to talk about. You know, what, what is Lydia's background or business life or business acumen? What's it have to do with her relationship with God? And, and what do we learn from that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and to, to echo, you know, Michael's disclaimer that we give, you know, we, for those of you that have been with us a long time, you know, we kind of talked about how sometimes in our lives we try to live in silos. You know, this is this is work, Mike, and this is home, Mike, and this is church, Mike. And, you know, we, we try to separate this stuff. But the reality is it's all the same. You know, it all belongs to God. Our whole lives are belong to God. So how we are Christians at home, at work and, you know, it, in the, our worship assembly and church families it, it should all be the same. Um, but but that's what we're looking for is these lessons. OK, you know, let's let's figure out how how these people um, got it right. So as Michael said, we're, we're talking about Lydia this morning. And so if we find ourselves here in, in, in Acts chapter 16, let's just kind of talk a little context here. So, you know, 
Paul and Silas, and they've picked up this young guy, Timothy, uh, and, and they're on, you know, a missionary journey. This is Paul going around as he's setting up many of these churches. And here, the famous story that most people go to Acts chapter 16 for is the Philippian jailer. And we're going to get to him here in a minute. Um, and he actually, you know, kind of that, that whole story plays a very interesting part in Lydia too, um, that a lot of times we forget about. But anyway, you've got that. But before, as they come into Philippi, they are looking for people that are praying. You know, they're looking for where are the religious people in town that we can go and have a conversation with about Jesus? Where are they at? So, you know, as the scripture says, they went out by the river where they supposed there would be people there that were praying, that would be there that are worshiping God, that are seeking God. And so they wander out there and they find this group of women. Um, and this group of women are all out there together and they're praying and worshiping and they begin to have these conversations and, and get into the conversion of, of Lydia and her household and, and some of these others. But it says that Lydia is a seller of purple. That's, that's her job. A couple of very interesting things to point out right off the bat is as we're introduced to Lydia and her household, there's no husband. So whether Lydia is a widow, um, whether, you know, her husband's just somehow non-part of the story because he's off doing his own thing. Um, but I've always found that interesting that she's the central figure, um, you know, and it, We've got husband and wife figures all over the New Testament. I mean, the famous ones that we think about are Ananias and Sapphira and how they work together with Paul. And, you know, it's not that because one's a more major character than the other that they're left out, but her husband is conspicuously absent. But she's the seller of purple. She's the one running the business. She's the one leading these women in Bible study. She's the one that, that's at the forefront. So all of those things are, are, are very intriguing. Um, but, but I want to focus a little bit on, on her, her seller of, of purple. So she's from Thyatira. Um, and so if, if we were, you know, better podcasters, uh, we would probably have a map up that would tell you where Thyatira was and all that stuff. But let's understand Thyatira is probably a six-month journey to Philippi. It's a long way away from Philippi. But Thyatira, because of the way, and again, we I think we lose this in our 21st century worldview. You know, we just go to Walmart and get whatever clothes we want, right? If you want purple or white or yellow or black, it doesn't matter. We get it. They make it at the factory. We don't think about it. First century, you had to mix pigments together from flowers, from objects in nature to create colors to then dye it and it was all done by hand okay based on the way that the water and minerals were in Thyatira and these certain flowers and plants that grew there they were the epicenter of the world for purple dyes okay purple dyes because they're hard purple's not a um What's the word I'm looking at? A primary color, right? You, you know, you don't get purple. You, you know, you got red, yellow, and blue are your primary colors. 
Um, you don't get purple out of your primary colors. It's something that's hard to, you know, not only get a hold of, but dye. You know, th there's a process. This is a big deal. Only your wealthy people can afford purple garments. So this is a very, very niche market. It's a very high net worth clientele. It's a very lucrative space. But the epicenter of that world is Thyatira. What we don't know is what she's doing in Philippi. Now, his, the historical context, given that she is a woman who was praying and seeking God by the river, we can kind of make some inferences. If we infer that she's a proselyte, okay, then she could have been run out of Thyatira as part of the big Jewish dispersion that happened, you know, when Rome came in and started taking over. So a lot of Jews that were settled in various parts got scattered and it wasn't okay for him to be there. All right. So they could have gotten scattered. She could have gotten scattered in that her husband could have died as part of the persecution there. And she fled to Philippi to find some safety, but she's now, so now that she's fled to this new place, she left the epicenter where she would have learned. She would have been part of a guild. She would have trained for multiple years. She would have learned all the secrets. She would have been in the inner circle there in Thyatira, which, or, which would have been very difficult to get into, right? So we think about, we talk about Paul. You remember Paul was schooled by Gamaliel, Pharisee of Pharisees, and all of those things. And that we, we kind of remember that that was Paul's credentials. Her credentials of being a seller of purple from Thyatira puts her at the top of that list, right? She is PhD from the guild. She is the best of the best would have been hard to get into, hard to learn, and all of that. So, so let me let me ask a question or push back on just part of that for, for just a minute. If if it is, I wonder if if, if perhaps we're, there's some other reason she's in Philippi, um, and and what might that reason be? If it if it was religious in nature, would it make more sense for her to um, move to an area that? had some Jewish population. And it's pretty clear at this time that Philippi didn't, they didn't have a synagogue or at least not one that Paul visited. And this, this, this riverside was the place of prayer. Um, so. You right, know, but remember what, what you, what you need for a synagogue? What Jews? How do you, how do you establish a synagogue? Go, go for it. Right. You, you've got to have, I believe it's 10 or 12 Jewish males. Yes right? Females don't count. You could have yeah, sure. three dozen women out here by the river praying and they can't sure. open the synagogue. No, no, just, just the point that if she's going somewhere where she can be more comfortably Jewish, it would make sense to go somewhere that had a Jewish population where that Philippi clearly didn't. Correct. Although if you look at the travel route, the way to Jerusalem is through Philippi from Thyatira, right? So it could have been, she was, that was the intention is she's going to Jerusalem and got stuck in Philippi. You know, yeah. it's, this is one of those, and again, we're, Michael and I are, are going back and forth about something nobody knows, right? We're, I mean, we're just trying to speculate what's she doing, how she set up in Philippi, whether it was, you know, the Jewish dispersion because she was a proselyte, whether her husband died and she went looking for family. Yes. You know, she went to a port city. Obviously, my, my thought is, if she's religious, religiously inclined, 
with a lot of other women that are doing so. And it appears that she's in a leadership role there by the way that the text leads us. Yes. That's where I'm putting my two and two together. That maybe she was fled because of that or somewhere along the way she found God. But, you know, it makes more sense that, you know, she's at least a proselyte or at least Jewish friendly based on the conversations that they have. Agreed. Um, and, and, you know, as you know, because of her background and skill set, um, and, and from, my, from what I understand, you know, this, this, this dying, you know, it, industries spring up in certain cities for, for certain reasons, uh, you know, that certain industries happen because, you know, cities are along a river or along a coast or whatever. And, and Thyatira was, there's an indigenous plant there that, that uh, lends itself to the, to the creation of, of purple, um, that that skill set perhaps didn't easily translate to Philippi where that plant wasn't indigenous. Um, so I think that's important to remember here as well is there's there's a reason that that purple is more rare in Philippi than it is in Thyatira. It's harder. Um, yeah. uh, and and uh, there, there has to be a supply chain likely of some raw ingredients that come from somewhere else. Um, so it speaks a little bit to her business acumen. Right. Well, it, so one of the interesting things I read too, is it, it wasn't just the plant itself, but a lot of the minerals in the water where they died. It. So, you know, I, I, again, I, I, this is completely out of my, we're really good at, right. we're really good at textiles. I mean, yeah. that's really just we're, dead center textile. I mean, even, you know, the <laughs> mineral tables and like, that's, Look, we're, we're numbers guys. We give us a spreadsheet. We're perfectly happy. But my understanding is it's kind of like, you know, in Kentucky, the reason why we make bourbon here is the limestone and minerals in the water make better bourbon in Kentucky than you can make anywhere else in the world. Uh, similar when you're dying, like whatever the mineral content of the water where they did this dying made that purple flower stick to garments and look better than it did if you did it anywhere else. So my thought is, you know, again, I'm, we're speculating here. So folks, please, you know, be kind with us because some of this does not detect. If you guys start looking for, well, Mike said this and that's not really there. So again, we're, we're trying to put some things together, but maybe in her fleeing from Thyatira, she took some plants or some seeds, right? Because my, in my imagination that this whole dying process and this whole being a seller of purple is probably as much horticulture as it is the dying. Right. You've got to take care of these plants. You've got to grow these plants. You've got to have access to these plants to be able to then have the end process. You know, I think sometimes in manufacturing, we forget that your raw materials are important as your end product. Let me throw another option at you that, that uh, I thought about as I read the text. You know, the text specifically says she's a seller of purple. It didn't, didn't, it didn't actually say she was a dyer of purple. And so could Lydia have just been in the in the import export business? Um, and, and if, and, if that, and, <laughs> and if that, if that is the case, you know, we, we think about her, her little one person shop, she's out back dying purple. It could have been that Lydia was at the, was at the head of a little more significant enterprise than we perhaps might first realize if she, you know, the, the importing of purple cloth from somewhere that's a six month journey away, which I don't think is unreasonable given the text, right. is, is, a, is a fairly significant business venture. 
it requires a lot of logistics and probably some personnel, uh, some storage, some warehousing. Um, I, so I, I'm almost inclined to believe that this enterprise that Lydia's in is a little more significant than maybe we're thinking about. She's out back, you know, stewing together some kind of dye in a big kettle. I, I, I think perhaps she had a, a pretty significant uh, distribution business um, of, of uh, purple cloths and purple um, uh, textiles that were from Thyatira where she had a, where she had a connection. Yeah. The, so first of all, let, let's, let's be clear about, you know, where she was on the economic scale. Lydia is not scraping by, right? So let, let's understand some stuff. Her and her household, right? That language, again, absent husband. So again, I, I'm, I'm inclined as, as a few of the commentators that I read that she's probably a widow at this point, right? Her household would include children and servants. Because there's not a lot of children mentioned, many of the commentators think that her and her household or her and her staff, her and her company. She's got a big enough house. And, you know, again, we're, we're talking first century Philippi oh, here, yeah. right? So not everybody had a house big enough to have a bunch of people over to, but she did. She had a massive spot and it must have been very comfortable and very welcoming because one of the things we find that's very interesting here is post-conversion, she really lays it on to Paul and Silas, right? If you found worthy, you're coming to the house, right? If you found me worthy, you're coming to the house. They're like, ah, it's okay. We're good. She's like, no, 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 no. You're coming back to the house, all right? She wants to participate in their work of the gospel. And she doesn't know anything about it other than let me get some food in you and give you a place to sleep. Like I can do that. You're not staying at the Hojo. Just come on down to the house. We'll take care of you. Fast forward to the end of the chapter, the verses that a lot of us miss. After they were beaten and thrown into prison and up singing and praying all night long and convert the jailer and his family, do you, do you know where they go? They go back to Lydia's. It's verse 40, by the way, if you're following yeah. along. If you're, if you're following along in tech, they go back to her house. And so something happened there where they felt like they could find rest and relief and comfort. And it was Lydia's house. It, it wasn't the jailer's house. They didn't jump towns. They went back to Lydia's. That's significant. So I say all that to say that Lydia was wealthy enough to have a large home where hospitality wasn't an issue. Right. And again, in first century, it's not like you're going to the grocery store every day. Right. You know, you're you know, it's not like everybody had all this excess food. You could run down to Costco and you got a freezer full of beef. You know, if you're entertaining, if you're being hospitable, if you got a lot of people in your house, it's expensive. And maybe you can acquire the stuff yourself. You send somebody out back hunting or, you know, you're down at the market purchasing it. But either way. It's an expensive venture to have guests for multiple days, especially strange dudes from out of town. So that's, that's kind of Lydia's background. Let, let's kind of back up before our time gets completely away from us and talk 
business principles here? What, what can we learn from her? So we've got, you know, a woman, small business owner that's built this incredible business, wealthy enough that she is active and engaged in the support of the gospel here. I'm going to argue she's the one that shows up in Philippi when they sent support once and again to Paul and his work and his ministry, that she's a part of that. Um, so she's very involved in the gospel, very active, um, wealthy, built a good business. So what do we learn from that? What, what can we take from that? So, Michael, let me ask you that question first. What's, what's your one, as you think about this, what's one business principle as we've gone through this story that you think, man, we need to write that down? Well, I, th I think it, it, as you noted earlier, this involves some speculation, but, you know, whatever reason that, that she was removed from her um, home area, Thyatira, and displaced to Philippi, the fact that she took the skills and contacts that, and the, the things that, that she knew, the, 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 the business that, that apparently she knew, and that she translated that to a new life somewhere else, I think is, is, um, is pretty speaks well of her character. Like this is, uh, in whatever, in whatever happened, she had a life changing event that, that displaced her to Philippi. Mm -hmm. And, and, and yet she had the fortitude in herself to take the things that she knew and again, whether that's the skill of dying or whether that's the contacts and the, the business relationships that she had in Thyatira to develop a, you know, a, a supply chain and, and import system. Um, in, in, in either of those cases, she took what she knew and she put it together in a new place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that for, for us in, in the business world, sometimes that's physical and sometimes it's just uh, uh, figurative that we got to put ourselves together in a new place mm -hmm. and we got to We got to take the knowledge, skills and abilities that we have and we get displaced either physically to a new city or just, you know, life happens. We get displaced from a current, from a former job or mergers. And now, correct. That never happens. Um, so are, are we going to, how intent are we going to be? to make sure that we're using the knowledge, skills, and abilities that we do have. And with God's direction, put those to work in a new place. Um, I think that's, that's my takeaway. So I'm, I'm a little different, um, but, but very closely related is Lydia had all the reasons in the world to lay down. She had all the reasons in the world to quit. I'm a woman. I can't do this without my husband. Um, you know, that this, isn't going to work in Philippi, you know, this only works in Thyatira, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to, to make it here. I've been through some hard times. Like, right. There's, there's a lot of reasons why we can make a list for Lydia that she should have quit. Right. She should have done something else, you know, whatever, but she persevered through that. And I think sometimes what we do when we go through difficult situations, when we go through difficult trials, especially in businesses, you know, we want to try to focus on all the things that went wrong instead of what was right. You know, she looked at the fire sale of her life and said, look at these assets we got. These things are really valuable. 
you know, let's focus on the good that's here. And I think not only in business, but in life, that sometimes when things go bad, we, we only focus on what went wrong and forget about what was right and what we could take kind of the embers of that fire and rebuild to. So, you know, that that's that's my big takeaway is that of all the reasons that she had to quit, she didn't. She persevered. She was very successful. And then, you know, w- was able to, to get involved in either and a lot of other things and parlayed it into, into deeper investments. Yeah. And, and again, we're speculating a little bit, but not only got displaced, but got displaced um, without a husband in a in a time where um, women's small business ownership was was not lauded in the same ways that it might be in 21st century uh, United States. Um, it's a it's a fairly significant point um, that uh, we, we should probably not overlook. Yeah, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure how she owned the house that was there because in much of that society, women did not have the right to own property. So, but it says they went back to her house with her people. So whatever she had going on, you know, she was in a spot where uh, she was persevering beyond her circumstances. Yeah. Just, just the fact that we're dealing with a business woman in first century Roman colony is pretty significant. And for the, for the business women that are, uh, that, that may be uh, some of our loyal listeners, I think that, that, that in itself is a, is kind of a significant and uh, uh, kind of edifying idea. Um, the, the, the other, the other thing that, you know, probably goes without saying, but just, just to speak it into the air is Lydia's, her relationship with Paul, and she had to know this, and in some ways put her business in some risk. Yes. It, it wasn't as if Paul was going to be doing advertisements for her purple business because of his popularity. Um, and so she, she put some things at risk immediately when she heard the gospel. Um, and so that, that's a, that'd be a takeaway for me also. Yeah. And remember, this is the guy that shows up. He leaves eating at her house and within hours or days, he's at the jail. Right? <laughs> I mean, can't keep, can't keep himself out of prison. Bro, you've been in town a couple of days and you're at the jail. I mean, is this really the guy we want hanging around the purple business? Uh, Literally living at your home. <laughs> right. For and, and that's the other thing. We and this is a terrible thing about reading scripture is sometimes we read a verse and we move to the next verse and we think that there were hours or minutes between those verses and there could be days or weeks, you know, they left the jail and went and stayed with Lydia and they could have been there six months. You know, there's no telling how long they were, were there with her. So again, you know, probably wasn't great for business, but but here's the other thing. And again, I want to kind of, Similar, but but on a different path. Not only did she put some business risk, she invested in Paul and Silas and the gospel heavily, right? Not only through the hospitality there, but again, I think when you read through, you know, the book of Philippians, how generous they were in supporting Paul, that, that you sent support once and again, they were constantly involved. He said, even from the beginning, well, 
when the church came together, who was it? It was Lydia and her household and the jailer, right? I mean, who we got? You know, some criminals? You know, it's not like we had a huge wealthy base here, but yet they're constantly involved in the support. That has to be a big part of her. Yes. Um, and, and has to be a big part of what she's doing. And the fact that immediately upon her salvation, she says, I want to help. I don't know how to help, but I want to help. I'll feed you. I, I mean, that's all I know how to do right now. I'll, feed, I'll figure something out, right? And I think that's also significant that sometimes in business and in life, we look for our own return instead of what we can put in. But I find that incredible about her is that upon her conversion, I want to be a part of this. How do I help this? How do I invest? How do I give? How do I, you know, instead of, you know, some of us, right, would have been just our heads still swirling from the blessings we've just gotten of conversion, right? And think and taking all of that in and all the good that's just happened to us. But her immediate reaction is, I got to get back. And I think that speaks a lot about her, but also I think that's a great business lesson in life, you know, is if we're, we, everybody's got to win, right? If, if I do really well based on a, re, a relationship, a contract, a deal, I've got to reinvest back into that same deal, whether that's intellectual capital, whether that's financial capital, whether that's support, whatever that is, that I've got to be as invested in the deal as the other party is. And what about what about just a nod to the providence of God in the in the weaving of Lydia's life that whatever displaced her and moved her to Philippi that Paul needed a support mechanism in his preaching in Europe and so God God arranged things such that the first European convert that we have listed in history is this displaced woman business owner that is able to support him in his preaching further through Europe is just a, I mean, that is just a phenomenal piece of providence. You know, Lydia perhaps didn't know why her life had led her to be without a husband and running a business in Philippi. And, and God knew like that is, that is, that's like uh, cold chill time. Yeah. yeah. And, and think about, um, and again, there's a lot of the stuff we don't know, but, you know, how many, you know, Sabbaths was she out there by the river praying? And what was she praying for? Right. I mean, think about all the time that she spent there as, you know, she had to be on a, a place and in a position to hear the gospel. It, it says, as we read the text, you know, they opened, God opened her heart to it, but you got to have some context there. Right. And also said she was a worshiper. I mean, well, she's we didn't, a worshiper. We didn't, we didn't she's out there poem. worshiping. Correct. So she knows it. And it wasn't the first time she was there. Right. You know, she was there and she was worshiping and, you know, God heard her prayers and said, you know, hold on. I got I got an old boy coming. And then she, you know, became involved in all of that and her and, and God, that's the other thing that, that that's incredible with this and something that you and I have said a bunch of times on, on this podcast is, you know, we've got to think of our lives as, as, as that funnel, right? You know, God has blessed me with all these resources. Now, how can I redistribute those? 
And she's got, you know, a team of people that's working for her that needs to be compensated, that has families to take care of. But here's this gospel preacher that needs some support too. And, and I'm going to take care of him. And, you know, again, I think initially it's not, it's not necessarily financial. Um, I think it becomes some financial stuff along the way, but there is, there is absolutely no replacing the value that comes in hospitality. You know, I can't think of how many preachers that we've had stay with us doing gospel meetings, revivals over the years, and how close we've gotten with those guys and shared in their work. If nothing else, just talking ideas, sharing life, sharing stories, you know, and you're sharing food, right? So there's some financial cost in that, but it's not about that. It's, it's about the sharing and blending of lives together. So how close they got over that time period. I, I think it's also incredible. And, and that, again, that business lesson of, and, and this, I know it's different depending on what you're doing, right? And, and, and all of these things are different, but I'll, I'll tell you from my standpoint of, of, of being in, in sales and, and, you know, managing wealth for people that my better relationships are when we're as invested in the, in the relationship as we are in the business, right? You know, so when we spend time together doing things that aren't business, but just building that connection and relationship to each other. It makes me a better advisor for them. It makes me better understand things because I know more. And I've got, you know, friends and people that feel like family. I've got some customers that I've worked with for, you know, 15, 20 years at this point that are like family. I mean, I, I, they would call me for anything. I'd call them for anything if it had zero to do with business. So I think that principle of investing in each other, you know, in our lives and making those personal connections and it not being just business. I think if you're just doing business, you're missing out because there's some deep, great relationships you can have out there if we'll invest ourselves into it um, more so than the business. That's a good point. Um, you know, what, how God works in weaving the, the story of salvation together is 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 pretty phenomenal. I, I just, if if I took you out of context of Acts sixteen and said, "Hey, um, you know, the first convert on the European continent is going to be this displaced Asian Jewish lady who happens to be a woman small business owner that's going to be an, a very important patron for the gospel over the next decade." Like that is almost an unbelievable sequence of um characteristics you know i mean it's that's it and yet that is precisely how god wove the story together and so and so we get this for all eternity we get this um account of this really incredible lady uh this this business owner who was incredibly um open-hearted uh hospitable and generous um, and we get to talk about her for, uh, uh, for the rest of eternity. I just think that's ex exceptionally cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we are at our hard stop. Um, I've got a boy to get to school. Um, thank you all for tuning in again. Um, we, we hope that these lessons can help you as you think about, um, Bible characters. And again, the most important thing is spiritual always, but if there are some other lessons we can learn, that's what we're trying to do here. So we hope this helps you be a little bit better at work tomorrow as you think about all the successful points from Lydia. And uh, we've got a couple of more uh, interesting characters that we've been working on. Uh, so stay tuned for some deep cuts. 
um, <laughs> like we, we've given you before um, that, that we think are some, some really cool lessons. So hopefully they will be uh, in short order and we're not going to um, take long sabbaticals anymore um, so that we don't lose both of our loyal listeners. Yeah, you ain't moving again and I ain't going to Europe again. So we should be good. We're hunkering down. Thank you all so much and uh, we'll see you soon. Peace.